Hey guys, on this episode of EdTech, we're going to be talking with Scott Tyner, er Ernie Bailey, and Rob Raspberry. We're going to be covering things such as security, best security practices, multi-factor authentication, and the tariffs coming from China. All this and more on EdTech. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is EdTech, episode 74, Let's Start with Security. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. This is EdTech, the monthly higher ed tech podcast. I'm your host, Bill O'Donnell, and this month I'm joined by Mr. Scott Tyner. How are you, sir? Hey, Bill. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Of course. Uh, Mr. Ernie Bailey. Glad to be back. How are you, sir? Uh, and of course, Mr. Rob Raspberry, how are you, sir? Greetings, salutations, always good to reconvene with you guys. Ah. So first and foremost, uh, for most of us, uh, this is, um, we're in the time of uh, graduation and uh, it's us, us and the church mice and oh yeah, the summer classes. Um, not all of us, uh, Mr. Raspberry, I believe you uh, work in, you guys work in quarters and not quite semesters, so it's a little... Uh, Little, little bit of little difference there, but that aside, that, that does not stop up the uh, progress of probably tech refreshes and uh, various uh, um, upgrades and updates. Uh, I will at least say on my end, uh, at our school, we just recently bought a 53,000 square foot office building from Hire, and um, which will be interesting. And already the board of trustees said, Hey, there's still some stuff in the boardroom. Can we use that for a uh, for our meeting uh, in two weeks? I'm like, uh, sure, okay. And you know, the next couple of days are going to be me and a fox and hound because we're pretty sure the integrators buried an amp up in the ceiling. So you know, that's always fun. Um, <laughs> Mr. Raspberry, how about yourself? What what uh, funness do you guys have going on? Uh, so we are in the process of. Um, getting a full scope and an upgrade to one of our major auditoriums. And so we, you know, put out, um, uh, have a consultant that's, you know, designing some things for us and we're bringing in integrators and we have some buy-in from a couple different departments and our classroom renovations um, committee, which is awesome. So this is an auditorium. It's two, 300, you know, pretty, pretty big auditorium. Um, so we're looking to do that over the summer. And so we're in the process of putting bids out and getting that done. That's really the biggest thing that we're working on. Now, did anyone throw you guys a curve as term in terms of like, oh, we want to be able to do wireless collaboration for all of the people that are in the auditorium. <laughs> that hasn't popped up? No, 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 not yet. Not yet, but I'm sure it will. But I think we'll be ready for it. I think we're sort of anticipating that kind of thing. So That's, that's fair. Uh, Mr. Ernie Bale, Mr. Uh, Hey, Ernie. Yeah. <laughs> What's on your agenda for the week for the summer? Uh, we're doing a lot of administrative spaces right now uh, mm. that have been thrown out at us. Uh, we're also looking at either replacing or changing uh, our audience response system. Mm. Uh, and we're, we're going from, you know, proprietary uh, clickers, mm-hmm. it's all checked out to doing everything over Wi-Fi or cellular data. And we run into this issue before in that some of our rooms 
the networking is not robust enough. The wireless is not robust enough and we're underground or inside a hill on several of the rooms that makes cellular difficult to get, you know, get in and out. So we're playing with, you know, have we beefed up stuff enough to make this work? Exactly say this is what we're going to do. Um, now, are you guys using like say pole everywhere, or is it more? We're, we're looking at pole everywhere. We've been using turning point for many years. Yeah. Uh, we don't know wh which way we're going to go. I do know several of the engineers at pole everywhere came from turning point. So we, I don't think our faculty will see a major change. Mm -hmm. It integrates with PowerPoint and stuff like that, but uh, I've got a couple of my guys looking at it and they're working with several uh, of our summer programs mm -hmm. uh, to run tests on both programs, see how they work. Yeah, um, that was one of the things. Uh, just the other day, um, uh, there was a, a little bit of an active learning symposium over at Rutgers and they were doing a kind of cross-pollination with things. And uh, it was kind of interesting. They had some folks that, were, that uh, had come all the way down from um, uh, if I remember right, there was uh, um, uh, Yeshiva University, there was obviously us from William Patterson, uh, and there were one or two folks, I believe, that were from um, uh, Rowan, and it was just kind of basic crisscross talk or anything. The biggest one they talked about was the usage of clickers and the fact that, you know, Turning Point themselves have said, hey, hardware-wise, we're, you know, going to a, a cloud-based solution. And it's one of those things of, okay, how do we get our students on board with all this stuff? Uh, I know it's not the most riveting of tech, but at the same time, it does affect, for us, it affects what kind of requirements do we need for the room, specifically, you know, is, is like, you know, in Ernie's case, is the Wi-Fi strong? Is there enough Wi-Fi access in the rooms and everything? I mean, you know, case in point. Yeah, we, we uh, carrying five to six devices when yeah. they walk in the classroom. Yeah. So, uh, a 300-seat auditorium. Mm-hmm. That's a, a lot of Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, at, at uh, Rutgers, they had a uh, 250 to 300 seat auditorium. And, you know, maybe in the curious one that I am, looked up and saw about six or seven uh, Wi-Fi access points. And I went, okay, that's because everyone's uh, on, you know, on their mobile devices. I get this. Um, strangely enough, no power outlets, but plenty of Wi-Fi. So, you know, yeah. everyone's running out of there with their batteries half dead. But that's besides the point. Uh, Mr. Tyner, how about yourself? What's the uh, fun summer project for you guys? Yeah, we uh, are graduating this weekend, and so uh, Tuesday is always one of my happiest days of the year to walk on campus, and it's quiet because there's nobody around. Oh, you, uh, get your, you get your favorite parking spot back? You get, yeah, the only parking spot back, that's none, none during the regular school year. But then we're going we're gonna to dive right into it. We're doing uh, two full classroom buildings over the summer, uh, bringing them all up to digital, uh, and then several small projects. And I'm sure we all see the uh, people who pop up right about now and say, I've got some money left over before the end of the year. Let's do something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so there's, there's that. So there's, we're going to, we're going to be in it Wednesday of next week. We're going to dive right in and get going. Oh yeah. Um, the other fun one that popped up on us was um, we had uh, two divisible rooms uh, that suddenly the student center said, oh, we have money to do all this. And we're like, okay, cool. And then it turned into, well, we want, you know, you guys said that the uh, lumens were only like 4,000. We found this one that we really like, and it's 8,000. I went, oh, okay, that, that's very nice. Let's, let's take a check. And uh, first and foremost, that puts you over the bid limit. And secondly, 
Um, are they, you know, at that, at that point I'm looking, I'm like, all right, if you really want to go high end, why don't we just go laser? So I don't have to ever go in these rooms again. And no, they weren't. <laughs> They're actually dual lamp projectors. And I'm going, that's actually, that's actually more painful in the long run. But yes. it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things we eventually found a middle ground and we also managed to find a couple of solstice pots to throw in so they can now do wireless collaboration. So everyone, everyone wins, everyone's happy. And, um, yeah, aside from that, I think there's a new dorm going up and we have minimal involvement with that, but you know, I still have to go and, and hold the GC's uh, feet to the fire. So right, yeah. anyways, uh, coming up first on our article list here, uh, this comes to us from commercial integrator. Uh, this covers, uh, the upcoming tariffs that, uh, the current administration has put in place, uh, with China, as well as the fact that China is putting tariffs on, you know, our stuff. Um, the big thing that's coming through is that most of this, the prices are going to be going up on price on, on parts. Now, whether or not, you know, you look and go and say, you know, in my backyard, there's Aurora multimedia. Now, do they make all their stuff in the, in, you know, in Morganville and everything? Oh, I'm sure they assemble most of it, but you know, you're still their component parts. I, I you know, your resistors, your certain circuit boards or chipsets and things like that. They're still coming from China. So uh, there's probably going to be a price jump. Uh, I believe uh, Crestron had already put out a, um, a notice that their prices are going up, along with you know a couple other folks. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, you know, now some other companies have kind of you know gone about this in which they said, "Oh, here um, you know, those tariffs." Yeah, um, our stuff. You know, like for example, AMX. I don't think AMX prices are going to be fluctuating that much, mostly because if you actually look at their labels, uh, certain things such as their touch panels and other components and everything, and on the back it will say "Made in Mexico," and you know obviously there's no there's no major tariff on Mexico, along with the fact that there was a new trade agreement just made. So um, it's one of those things, guys. That uh, um, you know down the line, do you think this is gonna this is gonna affect us, or is this one of those just you kind of look and go, well, it's the cost of doing business. Well, I, well yeah, it's <laughs> going to be the cost of doing business. <laughs> it's going to be the cost of doing business. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not going to have a choice. It's, this is something way out of our control, oh, but yeah. it's going to affect us. The, uh, the thing that always that, that hits me, and you have to think about is, I mean, 25% is a significant number. This is not 2% or 3 I mean, 25%. Companies, they, they just can't eat that. A few of them might have said it 2 or 3% or even 5%. Listen, we're going to eat this until this, this war is over and there's an agreement. 25% is a ton of money. And if you're thinking in, in some of the work we do, we may be spending you know, uh, half a million to a million dollars over the course of a year or whatever. That adds up really quick in, in our budgets. And it's, it's something that I've been paying attention to on the periphery. But as it gets closer and closer... Mm -hmm. uh, I think we all have to be paying a lot, a lot more attention to it. It affects what we do. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where um, at the at the thing that we kind of look about it, um, at least with our department, we're saying, listen, we want to do all this stuff, but due to budgetary reasons, you know, it's like, hey, we wanted to do. Uh, on average, we usually do about five to six classrooms or so over the summer, but some of them are, you know, very in are far more intensive than others. Um, you know, cause there'll be like dual screen rooms and we'll also end up replacing the screens and things like that. Um, and it'll just turn into, well, uh, we're just gonna have to do less. 
and it's not us being lazy or anything. It's literally just, you know, it's, it's the cost. So it's, it's one of those things where, um, I, I see this is going to probably cause us to have a little bit of a slowdown on things, but you know, if folks really want the stuff so bad, uh, you know, go, uh, please go plead to, you know, your folks who do, uh, capital plans or, you know, construction management or what have you. Um, you know, one of the funny things I was talking about with the folks at Rutgers, um, you know, they were, they were more than happy to go and, and update some stuff once the a new building was up because, you know, the school of engineering said, Oh, we want these classrooms. Oh yeah. We want tech. Oh, we never thought about that. And, you know, they try to go through and make every, make sure everything is very thorough because moment capital plan says, okay, we're done. That's it. There's no, you know, if you suddenly forgot a card or forgot um, a display, that's going to be coming out of their budget. And, you know. Or as you said, though, if, you, if you're building a new residence hall over the summer, I mean, mm -hmm. they, they, they're going to see costs in building that residence hall increase. And so does that mean if we're doing this with an academic building that suddenly the tech budget starts getting cut because – the cost of steel has gone up 25% yeah. and they have, to have that budget somewhere. It's one of those things where, um, and, and guys, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but usually the time whenever we see uh, like a school suddenly has a budgetary issue, nine times out of 10, I, it's usually like I'm the first on the, I'm the first on the cutting block of all of a sudden, Oh, Bill, remember how we said we were going to do this? Yeah. We just took 30,000 out of your budget. Oh, thanks. Uh, do I, do I no longer have displays and mounts in the following rooms? Yeah. Okay, cool. Can we like hang some postcards or posters to, to cause we already put the back boxes in <laughs> and not saying that it happened. And you know, the VP of finance may have seen that anyway. It's sort of interesting because I'm sort of wondering, you know, after the length of the Trump administration, you know, how long is this going to be instituted for? Um, and certainly it's going to impact us for the next few years. I'm just wondering, is this something that's going to continue long after, you know, Trump is out of office? Is this something that we as a country are going to implement going forward? But I mean, it's always something every year is going to cause some type of rise in cost. And, you know, this, right. this affects just about every bit of infrastructure that we have. So everybody's got to, you know, sort of roll with the punch, so to speak. Yeah, and like Scott said, you know, a two or three percent we could probably deal with, but a twenty-five percent increase. I mean, we're we're going to start cutting features that we were putting in these rooms. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not just we're going to not upgrade as many. The few that we do get to upgrade are not going to be where we want them to be, and they're not going to match the ones that we did last year. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think there's going to be there's there's going to be sort of a, a, a not a degradation, but they'll be, they'll certainly be, oh, well, this one had all the bells and whistles. This one's a little bit more, this one's a little bit more straightforward. It's not, it's not going to be, it's not going to be bad simply uh, like sometimes I put it like, you know, in some cases it's like, oh, you want to have like a complete Crestron DM system or an NVX system in here. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like, congrats. We only had uh, um, money for a uh, Valens extender. Okay. You know, it does it get the job done. Yes. Is it the, the nicest and you know, we have all the options we want for later on. No, but that's what we're given. So, uh, next up after this, uh, this comes to us, uh, off of, uh, rave, uh, rave pubs. It is from our own Mr. Scott Tyner entitled security start from the beginning. 
Now, uh, this is one that I read through and um, coming from the Department of, Department of Defense kind of thing, this is one of those things I read through and I went, you know, Skype had actually hit up on, on the other end of things because for us, it was always everything had to be encrypted, everything was secure, everything, you, you couldn't mess with the stuff to the degree of, um, if you ever look at, say, Crestron or Extron or anything or any of the, you know, the, the uh, big players, they literally have boxes that are specifically designed for the federal for the federal government, and it's because you know they have to have have to have things hardened. Now, on the other end, uh, for us because we're in higher ed, and you know what national secrets are getting told here. Um, I mean, the only person who has a, has an exception of that is Ernie, uh, and that is because you know the wonderful world of HIPAA law, HIPAA compliance, and uh, PIIs, but. I could go on about this for a while, Scott. You want to you want to uh, help uh, guide us through the uh, the uh, going for, going through and starting things off from the beginning. Yeah. So for me, I, I we're reading more and more in, in social media and in, in the trade publications about security and AV. And one of the things I think we, we tend to do in security in general uh, is panic when we read something, kind of freak out when we read something. And we've gone through this process at Bates. And, I, and I, I do think you're exactly right, Bill. We're higher ed, so we're, we're different than Department of Defense, where we can't do everything. We can't lock everything down because we have people that need to use the equipment in different ways. So for me, it's sitting there to say really simple, okay, what, what's the actual threat? Uh, what is the effect of the threat? And, and we kind of looked at it either in money or in reputation. Um, and then what is the likelihood of that happening? Uh, and so... As you look through that, you, you really start to say to find some holes, but then you can look at some of the stuff you read and think, well, okay, that's that's not the biggest threat we need to worry about right now. Um, and it, it also, as importantly, gives you this kind of baseline to go back to when this new threat comes out and, it's, and everybody's scared of it. Okay, let's let's go back to our risk assessment, put this through the risk assessment, and and think about how we need to react. Oh yeah. The, the, the big thing that um, I've at least seen, like, you know, obviously folks now have uh, on campus usually tend to have at least one security person. Sometimes it's a whole department or so, depending on how big the, uh, how big the school is and everything. And I get it. They want to make sure that everything, it's, it's one of those, you know, like you said, it's the, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Okay, well, what exactly got breached? And more importantly, when you clamp certain things down, how does that affect us? Now, the big one that we ended up having was, um, and this is common practice for a, a number of places, is you know just having basic port security. So you know if you just randomly plug something in, if it doesn't recognize it, and your system, your you know your uh, security, your network security stuff doesn't recognize the MAC address or feels that something was too random, it'll lock the port out. Now, the thing that came with us was. We actually have our own separate VLAN for all the uh, for all the Crestron devices and all the AV devices. It just makes life easier for us. It's isolated. We don't have to worry about anything. Uh, they swore that they didn't put port security on, and then at one point we just decided uh, right before. I swear this is one of those ones where you just look and you're like, really? But um, they went. We went and added in an extra touch panel in the back of a projection room because the broadcast folks were running things. So we're like, oh, here, we'll, we'll make it so you guys can actually control stuff in the back here. You don't have to worry about the client doing anything. The moment we plugged that in, it went into a 12-port a switch. All of a sudden, 
just everything else shut down. Why? Because the trunk line suddenly got shut down because the thing went, oh, what is this? I don't know what this is. And yeah, it, it, it involved a lot of cursing, crying, and screaming. And then finally the network folks got packed to us. But go on. I, I can see you already. Oh, yeah. What I was going to say is also, I, and it varies from institution to institution as well. I mean, so if you have an institution that's a lot of research, grants, mm -hmm. money, mm -hmm. government, you know, uh, collaboration, stuff like that, that becomes, you know, more of a concern. But you're right. I mean, there's all different levels of security. And we used to, you know, now we have the CISOs in, in almost yeah. every large IT department. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. And I'm thinking when I listen to what Bill said, the thing that strikes me is that exact piece. So you're putting the security on the ports, et cetera, et cetera. So, and you may, everybody's a different case and this is why you have to do it. I think you're right, Rob. There are research universities that have grants and like, but so you're putting these port security on. Okay, right. What is, what are you protecting? It, here at Bates, for example, it's very unlikely that some random person off the street is going to come into one of our buildings and randomly plug into one of these ports and, and get anything. That the likelihood of that is extremely low. So on, on our scale, it's, it's not a, it, that's not a priority for us to take a look at. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of a boulder to kill an ant kind of thing. It's mm -hmm. um, now the one thing that eventually, this, now this is more of a, this is a network integration thing. Um, for us, at least we're now starting to do more uh, kind of user user. Uh, it's the user or allow list and deny list. And that is specifically for us, it's going to be, oh, I log in with my credentials. Oh, okay, I can actually access the Crestron VLAN from whatever laptop I go into, provided you know you open up the you open up the uh, uh, correct ports and everything. But um, it's one of those things we're trying to make it where it's more user user uh, login <laughs> access. Now the other the other end, and I'll ask all you guys this. Uh, we'll start with Ernie first, and then kind of work it way down. Um, this is something that we've implemented here, and I'm kind of curious as to how folks are, are following through with it, uh, and that is multi-factor authentication. Now, is how that relates back to AV is, do I think that we need to have multi-factor authentication for AV? No, but I've also, I've also been in a realm where I had to put in, a, uh, put in my, my ID card in order to turn on, a, in order to use a, a, a touch panel. So, you know, I, I'm not the I'm not the normal for the litmus test, but Ernie, we'll start with you guys, and, because once again, I'm thinking about this in terms of who's actually yeah. using multi-factor and who's not. Well, we're using multi-factor authentication uh, for some things. Hmm. Uh, if you're going to be able to, you know, if you want to get towards any of the patient information or anything like that, that is very very secure. Uh, we're not using it, <coughs> excuse me, on our AV side right now, but we do log into the same network, of course. Uh, but like you said, you know, using uh, the uh, network protocols, if I log in, I have my access no matter what machine I'm logged into. So I can get to whatever I need to, uh, my engineers can, and everything else. Uh, but uh, you're saying a highly prestigious medical school is a lot more put together than, than William Patterson? I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked, really, I am. Uh, I mean, we. We have a chief security officer in IT, mm -hmm. so uh, mm -hmm. he's he's got a big, he's got a very good team, and they work they watch everything and you know if we get warnings that you know there may be a vulnerability and maybe some of the Crestron gear that's coming in, mm -hmm. we pay attention to that. We work with our network security people, and we work with Crestron to make sure that 
you know, we get whatever package we need. Mm-hmm. So we're not a gateway into the campus. Yeah. So we find a, you know, back road, if you will, the patient yeah. information through our stuff. We don't think they can, mm-hmm. but we have people that watch it for us. So. Fair enough. Uh, Rob, do you guys, uh, do you guys tend to use uh, multi-factor or is that one of those, um, one day you're just going to find a little token on your desk? Yeah, well, so, you know, we're using it with, like, Office 365 and login and some of that. So we use it on that. As far as on the AV5, no. So it's more, you know, a general application situation. So every once in a while, you log into your Outlook, and it says, hey, you know, send you a text, do this, that. So, you know, it is on campus. As far as AV stuff goes, no, we we have, we don't use it at this point. Now, at most, for us, um like uh, our programmer, Damon, will use, um, you know, administrative passwords and things like that. Uh, eventually, one of the things we probably will end up doing, and this is how it, this ties back with everyone, is that uh, we're looking, uh, right now we have uh, GVE, or Global Viewer Enterprise, and eventually we want to make it to where, you know, the folks who actually use that to monitor the system or monitor the classrooms, it's, it'll go, okay, here's leveled access. Here's your password for just, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the kind folks working the help desk. They can view things. They can, not, they can you know, maybe open up the uh, touch panel or the X panel for the room. But other than that, they, you know, they can't uh, reset lamp hours. They can't do this. They can't do that. It's really more of just more observe and report. Um, and as I say, finally, I'm going to bring this back to Scott. You know, obviously, since you've been going over this, I'm sure there are certain things, and once again, I think it's a general consensus. You know, for to do multi-factor authentication for AV, I, I don't like most of us tend to keep things uh, in a hardened uh, or in a VLAN that's it's already hard enough to access as it is. But I still want your opinion on this one. Yeah, we're we're in, we're in the process right now. We've started in January of implementing uh, two-factor across campus, so we're, we're in the process of doing the faculty right now. Uh, we don't use it on any of our AV systems, but what we do do is put our uh, passwords in a password manager safe. So mm-hmm. let's say LastPass, and then essentially we have it, it make up our password. So in a way, nobody actually knows what our passwords are. They're just in that password safe, and you can change them anytime, and you log in, and they're in the safe, so you can just log in. Um, so that, that keeps us fairly safe with uh, our AV stuff. Oh, fair enough. Um, the only last little bit I'll ask everyone, and this is just my own morbid curiosity. Uh, for us, we've been using Duo. I know some other folks have been using, like, say, Google Authenticate. Um, there's even the fine folks. I, I know at a couple of campuses, they still use the – they have the uh, RSA uh, little digital – literally, it's a physical token. And I know for them, the only reason they're using that, for the most part, they were using Duo, but the physical tokens were because um, – as I would put it, most some of their faculty are a little bit more seasoned than uh, most, and it's you know these are also the same folks who may come on campus with a Windows uh, XP laptop that's like missing a K button, and yeah, not that I'm describing a person to a T at all. Not one bit. Um, and they specifically asked for a token, and you know we begrudgingly were like, okay, because it turns out they didn't have a smartphone either. But once again. That's faculty. They have their PhD. Most of us have a most of us have a bachelor's, possibly a master's, like Mr. Tyner. And uh, <laughs> but you know, it's 
it's all how they it's all how they're doing mostly because once again i've said it before and i'll say it a thousand times over uh folks come to our schools because of the faculty they don't come by and say oh this screen is 4k okay maybe in ernie's case but that's because it's a medical it's medical and you know that that size of resolution determines whether or not i have cancer or not but still uh it's it's just one of those things it's our faculty it's who we have to work with so all right, well, that's about all the time we have. Uh, gentlemen, where can the fine folks find you aside from Infocom? Uh, Mr. Tyner? Uh, you can find me either on LinkedIn or on Twitter at S. Tyner. All right, fair enough. Uh, Mr. Ernie Bailey, where can the fine folks find you at? You can find me on LinkedIn. All right, and Mr. Rosberry, of course, where can we find you at aside from on Drexel? What Ernie said, LinkedIn. There you go. <laughs> All right. Aside from that, guys, uh, you know, obviously, we will hope to see you guys at Infocom. I unfortunately will not be there, but you can certainly find Rob as well as Ernie, and uh, those two usually find some good hidden gems. Uh, once again, this is EdTech, part of the AV Nation podcast family. This is EdTech.